0: Hello, and welcome to the Cherry Hill Perspective for Friday, September 15th. You're going to notice a bit of a shift in our format uh, going forward. We've decided that we're going to be a little more conversational instead of me just kind of talking at you. So I am your host, Aaron McGee, Financial Planner with Cherry Hill Private Wealth um, under the Harborfront banner. And my co-host is...
1: I'm Adrian Blake. I'm one of Aaron's partners at Cherry Hill Private Wealth and an investment advisor with Harborfront Wealth Management.
0: We used to do sort of three different strands. What we're going to do now is we're going to be able to go a little bit more in depth on just one single topic. So today we thought a really good first would be the TFSA. It was a giant mistake to call the TFSA a tax-free savings account. It should have been called a tax-free investing account. So Adrian, let's let's talk about some of the big mistakes that people are making and what you see on the day-to-day.
1: Absolutely. So uh, I would agree with you that calling it a tax-free savings account was unfair to the opportunities that exist for this type of account. You can invest you know, a high variety of product. Um, so whether that's stocks or bonds, GICs, mutual funds, exchange-traded funds, or sure enough, savings accounts, uh, you have a lot of flexibility. And that means that you can be as uh, aggressive or as conservative as is appropriate for you, despite the same moniker of a tax-free savings account. Generally, I think banks would prefer that you invest the money in a savings account structure so they can pay you an unusually low rate of interest and use the money for their own benefit, uh, which is kind of ultimately how banking uh, works behind the scenes. Um, But if you're trying to put your own interests first, then it makes a lot more sense to use your tax free savings account for longer term investing. And perhaps they should have just called it a tax free investing account in the first place.
0: Perfect. And one of the other things that is sort of a, a pro and a con with with the TFSA is that um, you know the capital gains are completely non-taxable which is which is great but you know something that people forget is that you can't use the capital losses either so um, there are pros and cons to it uh, and really have, making sure you have that consideration because I have had clients make some mistakes in their TFSAs and think oh we can use that to offset future gains and you can't uh, so so let's talk about the basics so the basics uh, of a TfSA continue the conversation there.
1: Absolutely. So so the basic thing to note, I think, is when you make a TFSA contribution, there is no tax consequence at that moment. So different than an RSP, where you're making a tax contribution or a, an RSP contribution, you get a tax uh, deduction for that. No such tax deduction works with your TFSA. You put your money in, you invest it, but but that's it. One thing to point out is that owning a tax free savings account or investing in tax-free savings account is a tax decision. What you invest in that account is an investing decision. So there are two separate decisions that need to be made. One is to choose whether or not you use a tax-free savings account at all. And then the separate decision is what type of investments are appropriate for what you're trying to get out of that TFSA now that you've decided to have one. Don't confuse the two. So there are two separate decisions that need to be made. One is to choose whether or not you use a tax-free savings account at all. And then the separate decision is what type of investments are appropriate for what you're trying to get out of that TFSA now that you've decided to have one. Don't confuse the two. If you were at least age 18 in 2009, then the total contribution limit for you is $88,000. It's also $88,000 for your spouse. So a household should be able to contribute a total of $176,000 now. And if you were younger than 18 in 2009, then you have to drop off those years where you were younger than 18. Um, So just be a little bit uh, aware of your age at that time. With $176,000 in total contribution room for a couple, we're talking about a meaningful amount of money now. It really wasn't when the TFSA started. Everybody kind of thought, what was the value of $5,000 in TFSA contributions? Like, ooh. But now $176,000 is a significant amount of money. And if that has been growing since 2009, um, you know, some of our clients have really significant values in their TFSA. Something to keep in mind is you can take money out of your TFSA and you regain the contribution room. So when you make a redemption, you do regain the contribution room, but in the next calendar year, that is one of the classic mistakes we see all the time is that people take money in and out of their TFSA on a, on a uh, quick basis and then are recontributing before they have regained that contribution room in the following year.
0: If I was to expand just a little bit on the way that there can be a, a growth of your TFSA, you know, the, the room outside of just the your annual contribution limit, you know, on top of you have the ability to take out and re- and you get the room back the following tax year, which you got to be careful doing it, you know, in, in, in the following year. It's not just the straight you know, 6,000 or 5,000 that you put in that you get the room back, you get the actual uh, if your $5,000 has grown to $10,000, well, then you actually get $10,000 in, in in room back, plus the new contribution room for the year. So it, it is a really a nuanced program that a lot of people don't necessarily have a full grasp on. And especially if you're dealing with someone at a, at a local bank branch or a teller, they certainly don't. And in terms of tracking those limits and making sure that you're not in violation, those are your responsibilities. There is no... Uh, chalkboard other than at CRA. um, And there are some delayed reporting as well for those. So you just want to be really careful that what you're doing, you're tracking, or you have a professional doing that for you and and keeping track of those. Another, you know, Adrian, maybe you want to just speak briefly to, um, you know, how a TFSA can be an effective tool when you're actually planning your retirement income because of the different tax treatment versus some of the other income streams that people are seeing. That's
1: right. So investments inside a TFSA are going to grow tax-free while they're growing, but they're also tax-free when you redeem uh, the money when it's coming out in retirement or for whatever use that you need the money for. So this can be a really effective tool in controlling your tax liability, especially in retirement. Once you're retired, if you're taking Canada Pension Plan and old age security, those are both taxable amounts. If you've converted your RSP to a RIF and are drawing income off of that, portfolio, it's also a taxable amount. So you can actually start to put yourself into a, a relatively high tax bracket. And this is especially true if you also have a pension, again, a taxable amount. But redemptions coming out of the tax-free savings account are not taxable. And so there's a little bit of um, decision-making you can make in any given year about where you might draw your income from. For example, if you have an unusually high spending year, you know you're going to make a a major purchase. Perhaps you're going to buy a car for cash. You need to make uh, a significant redemption from somewhere. But if you pull all that money out of your RSP, you're going to have a tax consequence you're not going to like. You might be able to pull that money out of your TFSA instead have no tax consequences. And then perhaps you want to repay the money to your TFSA over time and could draw that money out of your RSP to, uh, re to your TFSA over a couple of years and therefore spreading that tax consequence out and hopefully paying less tax dollars in total by executing that strategy
0: that's that's awesome um one of the other things that i have uh, strategies that i've used with clients and it helps with motivation for saving as well to fund their tfsa while they are in the income earning years is that we'll use it as sort of you know we'll take care of your paycheck so you know your 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 regular income from your investments and your 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 pensions government and private but what about like vacation funding and, and the fun stuff the playcheck? you know if if we can have a really nicely funded tfsa Uh, And have that as a savings. You know, when we're taking the five to $10,000 chunks out it's taken from there uh, because from, from a tax perspective, but it also helps motivate people to do the savings while they're in those income earning years. Um, So let's talk about uh, the successor holder designation, uh, Adrian. And, you know, these are, these are some, we're going to sort of talk about some of the mistakes, but also some unique uses that people are, you know, could use them for, but also maybe some features that people aren't necessarily aware of. So what's a successor holder and, and, maybe how is it different from a beneficiary designation
1: so you can uh, when you set up a tax free savings account you don't have to name any beneficiary but you can Uh, you can choose a regular beneficiary or a successor holder a successor holder can only be your spouse or common law partner but the advantage to naming a successor holder is that the money rolls from your tfsa directly to their tfsa without affecting their contribution room should you pass away so that means that effectively your surviving spouse can benefit from the tfsa contribution room that you have generated through the years when you were alive and so there are some uh, you know i have a uh, clients who have lost their spouse and who now have tfsa's with over two hundred thousand dollars in them because the contribution the spouse that passed away rolled into the surviving spouse's tax free savings account and that's you need to have a successor holder designation for that to happen. If you have a regular beneficiary designation, the money still comes out of your tax-free savings account tax-free. It then gets passed to the beneficiary, but then the beneficiary must do what they want with that money, which can include contributing to their own TFSA, but it's a new contribution in that case, which affects their tax-free savings account contribution room. So you don't have the benefit of borrowing the contribution room from the person who has passed away if you only have a regular beneficiary designation. And just a reminder, the successor holder designation is only available uh, for your spouse and, or your common law partner.
0: Perfect. Let's talk estate planning with uh, uses for a TFSA. How have you seen it used effectively? And um, what is it, What is the benefit of doing it over, say, like a, a non-registered account?
1: Yeah, so the benefit of using a tax free savings account in estate planning Um, there's actually, there's several, I think what you really want to happen for most people in an estate plan is you want the money to go where it's supposed to go and get to the people that you want to receive it. And you want that to happen with the government getting the least amount of it in the process. Uh, if we want to donate money to causes that we care about, we will, but, uh, donating directly to the government form of taxes is not something that most of us want to have happen. So there's the intention of the money going to the right place and then it doing so efficiently. One of the most efficient estates you can have is nothing left over, but your principal residence, which is tax-free and your tax-free savings account, which is tax-free, so you would have no tax consequences if that was all that was left over and you'd drawn down all of your other assets prior to your, your passing. And so the TFSA can be a really effective estate planning tool. And if you think about it, if you have a significant RRSP, let's say, when you pass away, that entire pot of money gets deregistered in one year, so your estate you know, if you have a $500,000 RRS fee, your state has a $500,000 income in that final year and will pay tax at the highest marginal tax rate on a significant portion of that money. So it can get um, pretty detrimental pretty quickly. And so TFSA avoids a lot of that problem. You can also use it as a burial fund uh, if you want to think about it that way. Like It's a, it's a tax-free, easy to access piece of money um, and... And part of the reason it's easy to access is because you can name those direct beneficiaries, so the money can pass very quickly to the people who uh, are expected to receive it. It also passes outside of the estate, so there's no probate consequences. Uh, it can be really attractive to uh, come up towards the end of your life with uh, you know minimal assets other than a really large and tax-efficient tax-free savings account.
0: Yeah, and and having the named beneficiaries on uh, a TFSA account really makes it easy for for us as financial planners and, and as the the custodians of your money to get the money really quickly to the people that you have deemed needed if they're they're potentially, with a burial fund because there's always these, there's lots of final expenses, being able to get the money without having to go through a lot of legal, you know, hoops and uh, is, is, you know, it's, it gives peace of mind. So that's good. So one of the things that I know that I have recommended to clients is using the TFSA for education planning. So um, can you speak a little bit more on that?
1: Yeah. uh, The most common way to say for uh, education in Canada is the Registered Education Savings Plan, or RESP, uh, and in part because you get government grants and and additional support uh, for making those contributions, and so that's usually the place where people start. But you have contribution limits on an annual basis of two thousand five hundred dollars per child. You're going to get a twenty percent government grant typically on that contribution, but you can only earn a total of seven thousand two hundred dollars of government grants. And so you, know, you run up against that limit pretty quickly if you're maximum funding that RESP at $2,500 a year. And so for those people who have additional tax-free savings account room, it can really be an excellent opportunity to save for any purpose. And certainly education is one of them. There's really no downside to saving for education in, in that way uh, because you can redeem for any purpose and regain that contribution room in the next calendar year. So your kid goes to school, you make a redemption, you have the cash flow to continue to fund the TFSA, you do. So there's really, uh, really limited consequences, uh, both from a tax perspective and just from a future opportunities perspective as
0: well. That's that's perfect. And, you know, when when we're talking about education funding, you know, I have clients that they're they're kids uh, went to medical school. Well, they, they blew through their RESP money pretty quickly. And we, we kind of figured that was the direction they were going in the first, you know, couple of years of, of, of their, their schooling. So they're like, what do we do? Well, then we start really, we, we ramp up your TFSA so that we know where we can, uh, we can draw the funds from. And if plans change because that happens, you know, especially with kids, we all know uh, you're not, tied into losing that money you you can repurpose it and that's one of the you know big messages that i think a, a takeaway from hopefully our chat today is that cfsas are very flexible and and you know hearkening back to what adrian said there's there's the big decisions are you know firstly is it's, it's a tax decision so where you want to first put your money whether it's in an RRSP, resp non-registered account um spousal rsp or the tfsa and then the next decision is what the actual holdings will be um the other thing to 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 note is that you can hold as many tfsa accounts as you need so it's not that you have to have one at one institution you can repurpose um them you can you know i've got clients that have children that inherited some money but they were yet to be 18 so they decided to allocate part of their room to one of the kids and 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 the how we you know, set it out was they were the beneficiary on that account. So if they have, let's say, eighty-eight thousand dollars in room, little Bobby, who's eight, gets ten thousand. His a TFSA under mom's name or dad's name, with him as the beneficiary for the his inheritance of ten thousand dollars, and little Jane gets her ten thousand dollars under mom or dad using part of their 88,000 with them as a beneficiary to make it very clear. And then once they turn 18, should they want that to be under the name, we can we can roll that under their names. So there's it's a really flexible um, way of uh, doing estate planning, education planning, uh, helping with all kinds of things. And uh, we hope that you enjoy our new format and you learned some things today. Uh, and we're really looking forward to continuing this and doing it every couple of weeks. Adrian, any last words? The one
1: thing I would, I would leave you with, if you're going to have multiple tax-free savings accounts, I would encourage you to be careful about doing that at multiple financial institutions, just because over-contributions over-contribu- happen so easily. You can manage that yourself and be careful. But if your expectation is that the financial institution you are contributing to will know that you have other TFSAs elsewhere and you're up against your limit, I wouldn't count on that. And I would encourage you to be uh, more careful than that, but that's really it. Aaron. thank you so much for having me. Uh, I think this is going to be uh, a much more positive and and fun way to
0: approach this podcast and looking forward to future great conversations. Thanks. Thank you for joining us on the Cherry Hill Perspective. All comments are of a general nature
1: and should not be relied upon as individual advice. The views and opinions expressed in this commentary may not necessarily reflect those of Harborfront Wealth Management. While every attempt is made to ensure accuracy, facts and figures are not guaranteed. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing or tax advice. Please seek advice from your accountant regarding anything raised in the content of the podcast regarding your individual tax situation. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial services provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.